You're listening to a message from Every Nation Canberra. In this message, Gans Dean shares three benefits of the peace that God gave us through Jesus Christ. G'day, Chet. Does sound legit? <laughs> All right, so we are in our third week of our The First Gift series. In the past two weeks, we talked about love and we talked about life. Today we're going to be talking about how the birth of Christ gives us the gift of peace. If you have your Bibles with you, please turn it to Isaiah 9, verse 6. If you don't, it's okay because I've got it on the screen right behind me. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders. And he will be called a wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting father, and prince of peace. All right. Friends, in just 12 days, we will be celebrating Christmas. And as you know, this is a joyous time, especially if you are a kid. Kids love Christmas, and why wouldn't they? It's a great time. They get to stay up late. They get to play games with their family members. They get to have chocolate or cake or whatever it is that you guys serve during your Christmas dinners. And of course, the best part for them being the gifts. Kids today have amazing gifts, don't they? My favorite Christmas gift was when I got this a toy gun. It was made of wood, and you would just turn this thing and go, tick 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 and that's supposed to be the gun that you would have. And today, kids have dolls that talk and move without you even talking to it. It's Annabelle in real life. They have Transformers that back in my day, it would literally just transform. Now they have all kinds of amazing toy robots. It's toys in every shape, size, and color. And then one horrible morning, they'll wake up and they'll transition to shirts and socks like the rest of us. Christmas is fun if you're a kid. Oh, but if you're an adult, it can really be stressful, you guys. Like if you're married, where do you go for Christmas? Do you go with your husband's family? Do you go with your wife's family? Do you go with your husband's father's family? Do you go with your wife's mother's family? Where do you go? Like for me, my wife, her dad is one of seven. Her mom is one of eight. I've been married to her 17 years. I still don't remember everybody's names. It's, it's that kind of stressful Christmas. And then there's the budgeting. How much are we going to budget? Do we buy them here or do we buy it online? If we're buying it online, do we send it to our family members overseas? What do we do if our funds are low? Do we have to buy gifts for the people who aren't in our lists but give us gifts anyway? And if you're the kind of person who believes that gifts are a social contract, this is worth $100. I therefore have to give a $100 gift back. I don't have the budget for this. Super stressful if you are the kind of person. The reality is, for so many of us, Christmas can be very commercial. It's chaos if you're weak-willed or weak-hearted. It can be very, very difficult. How can we bring a season like this, all this noise, this chaos, this commercial holiday, how can we bring it back to someone who calls himself the Prince of Peace? I think if we're going to do that, the first thing we probably should do is kind of understand what exactly do we mean by peace? And for me, certainly for me, it's difficult to define peace if you don't define what peace is not, right? Now, Merriam-Webster defines peace as a state of tranquility or quiet. How many of you wish Christmas were more silent night than rocking around the Christmas tree? 
You know, it's like, if you're the introvert type, you're just like, oh, can Christmas just be you and me at home, and then that's it? But no, we have to go to this party, and that party, and this party, and that party. My intermittent fasting program is over. What are we going to do? The opposite of peace, therefore, in the eyes of the world, if it's not tranquility and quiet, it's a state of commotion. It's chaos. It's like when you're getting ready for church and your youngest child is crying because your older child ate all the ice cream and the older child is crying because she doesn't want to wear the dress and you're about to cry because you're dressed and ready to go and when you step outside, your car has a flat tire. It's all your problems coming to you at 80 kilometers an hour and you don't know what issue to tackle first. It's waking up on Christmas Eve and realizing you forgot to buy a gift for your wife. Hashtag true story. So when you do get what the world calls a moment's peace, when the kids are asleep, and it's just you and your loved one, and you're not listening to Mariah Carey's All I Want for Christmas is You, or if you're Filipino, Jose Marie Chan's Christmas in Our Hearts, and you just get to enjoy, take that deep breath, and have a slice of cheesecake. That's peace, maybe. And Merriam-Webster also defines peace as freedom from disquieting or oppressive thoughts and emotions. What some people don't realize is that peace can be a state of mind, right? The world can go to hell in a handbag and be absolute chaos, and you'd be okay. You're not in a state of anxiety. You're not in a state of fear. You're not worried. You're like the epitome of chill. So how do we get peace? Can we grow it in our gardens? Can we find it at the mall? Can we buy it at Woolies? When we need something, we tend to go to someone who specializes in that something, right? So if I want fish, I could go to a local fisherman who sells the fish or a fish market. If I want vegetables, I could go to a vegetable farmer or again to a vegetable market, one of those open market things. If I need my pipes repaired, maybe I can find a local plumber. Or we could try to do it ourselves. If we want fish, we can go over to the sea or to the lake. Burley Griffin, I understand they don't have edible fish, but still. You want fish? You can go and try to fish for yourselves. If you want vegetables, you could try to grow them in your garden. If you want to fix your own pipes, you could try to go to YouTube and DIY it at your own peril. Or we could go to the source. If we're looking for peace, we need to get that peace from someone who isn't just someone who specializes in it. We can get peace from someone who reigns over it, who has done more than just master it, who is the source of it. And Isaiah 9, verse 6, tells us that Jesus is the what of peace? He's the prince. You can't get any better than that. It's one thing to be in a situation that's stress-free. It's another thing to be in a stressful situation and still have peace. When we approach the Prince of Peace and ask him for that peace, what kind of peace are we getting? We are getting 100% pure, bona fide, bona fide peace, the overcome the world kind of peace. We all want the kind of peace, right? And the benefits of that peace are threefold. I've got just three points for you today. The first benefit of the peace that Jesus gives is that it takes away fear. Now, when I was younger, I was terrified of cockroaches. I hate cockroaches, I absolutely do. And my wife is not 
afraid of cockroaches. So, 16 years ago, Kathy, my wife, gave birth to our firstborn, Nathan. And about three to five days, we brought him home, and he's like this little lump. Sorry, son. He's this little lump. He's there in the bedroom, and Kathy's there recovering from the childbirth. And Kathy spots a cockroach. And she's like, hun, there's a cockroach. Kill it. Okay. Because I'm a man, and that's what men do. So I grab a slipper, flip-flops, and I get on the bed. My son's over here. I get on the bed, and I approach the cockroach. Got the slipper there. And just as I'm about to hit it right, I don't know how cockroaches work here in Australia, but the Philippine cockroaches, you have two kinds. There's the kind that crawls, and there's the kind that flies. And this is one of those. So I'm about to hit it, and just as I'm about to hit it, it takes flight. Okay, so like all men, soldiers, in the middle of war, we stand our ground no, we don't. We run screaming out the door. I leave my wife and my newborn son in the room while the cockroach is flying around. I scream as I run out. Nathan, he doesn't care. He's a lump. But, oh my gosh, you guys, he, she was so upset. I come back to the room. Cockroach is dead on the floor, and there's Kathy. Over time, the peace of God comes in, and I've learned to be less afraid of cockroaches. About two weeks ago, I was at work, and I'm on my desk, and there's this cockroach that comes over the side of my desk. I'm just like, I just crush it underneath my hand. See? Growth. Before I ran away from roaches, now I'm a cockroach assassin. Uh, let's take a look at the words of Jesus in John 14, verse 27. Jesus said this, Peace I leave you, my peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. Now, this verse is good news for anyone who is afraid of cockroaches or spiders or snakes, which I hear come in beautiful abundance here in Australia. It's also good news for anyone who's afraid of the dark or debt or disease or pretty much any issue that you're afraid of because Jesus promises the kind of peace that will help you overcome these things. Charles Stanley says that the opposite of fear actually is faith. And he says when fear causes paralysis... It attacks the foundation of that, of that peace, which is our faith. Peace just goes out the window when fear is present. So if you look at, let's say, at the story of King Saul and David, when God took the anointing away from Saul, what did Saul do? He sought to go after David and kill him. Now, when the king's army is up against you, you have every reason to fear for your life. And there are many psalms that detail the kind of misery that David was going through. But in Psalm 27, stands out as a testimony of David's faith in a God who he knew would deliver him. Verse 3 in particular says, My heart shall not fear, though war arise against me. In spite of this, I am confident. The only way to battle fear, honestly, is with faith. Right? Even if you go into war, you have faith. It may not be in God. Maybe you have faith in the skill of your fellow soldiers. Maybe you have faith in the quality of your ammunition and your guns. Whatever it is, you have faith in something. The only way to really defeat that fear is to have faith in something that you know is stronger than your situation. Am I right? 
When Jesus was born, we received instant access to the kind of peace that stands strong in the face of even the most fearsome situations. The previous verse also tells us how much this peace costs. He says, my peace I give to you. So how much did it cost? Nothing. It's free. What do we have to do to earn it? Nothing. It is there for us to freely receive. So if the peace of Jesus can take away fear, we also can trust that the peace of Jesus can also take away anxiety. Now, show of hands, how many of you guys know how to swim? Seriously? This many number of people don't? Great. I'm just like you. So a few years ago, my wife's family and I took a trip to Coron in Puerto Princesa, which is one of the most beautiful places in the Philippines you can hope to visit. Now, one of the things we would be doing there, we'd be taking a boat ride to go to this lagoon called Twins Lagoon, and it's located inside a mountain. And the only way for you to get inside that lagoon would be to swim into this small little, like, KV area. You have to swim through that to go into the lagoon that's inside of a mountain. It's gorgeous! Or so I heard. Problem is, I don't swim. And you can imagine the kind of conversation that I had with my wife about this swimming situation. I'm like, I don't know how to swim. That's okay, you have a life jacket. I'm too heavy for the life jacket. The life jacket will carry you. What if there are sharks? There are no sharks. What if there are jellyfish? We're Chinese, we eat the jellyfish. I was just so anxious about the whole situation, you guys. I was just so anxious. And when the time came, we all got into the water. I got into the water, and I, I felt slowly starting to sink, despite the life vest. Peter didn't have life vests when he walked in the water. I had a life vest, but the life vest was just not strong enough. So I felt myself start to sink. So I started to panic. The anxiety attack got stronger, and I swam, panicking back into the boat. Meanwhile, my 70-year-old parents-in-law are just like, heading to the cave. And my six-year-old niece, and she's just like, heading to the cave, and everybody just started going there. Meanwhile, I'm on the boat, I'm eating Mr. Chips and getting sunburned. My anxiety prevented me from being able to enjoy the wonderful work of God. And I have no idea what the inside of that cave looked like. Now, how many of us have been in situations like that? where instead of letting peace reign, we let our anxiety get the better of us. Instead of focusing on what's possible because of what God gives us, we let our worries and the what-ifs and the anxiety and the fear take over our thoughts. And these are the kind of thoughts that steal our peace and steal our joy. In Philippians 4, verse 16, and you guys know this, do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Earlier, we learned in John 14, 27, that the peace of Jesus is free. In this verse, we find out how to receive it. How do we receive it? We have to ask. We have to ask God with a thankful heart. And when that happens, 
the guarantee is there that the peace will come and it will guard what? Our hearts and our minds. Now, what is so important about the word guard? Guard implies that something is standing there in the face of attack. There is a security. There is a protection. The peace of Jesus brings that security and that protection against whatever tries to threaten your hearts and your minds. All you have to do is ask. And that is the power of prayer. I cannot emphasize how important the role of prayer is to building that kind of peace in our hearts. Remember in Acts 16, when you have Paul and Silas, and they're singing praises to God, and they're worshiping out loud? Where is this happening? In prison. They're in jail. There's no soft pillow. There's no warm bed. But the peace is within them to be able to lift up praise despite that situation. And what is the end result of all that praise? What happens at the end of it? To those of us who are familiar with the chapter, what happens at the end of Acts 16? Freedom. The shackles are loosed and they've been set free. And that is the third benefit of the peace of Jesus. It offers us freedom. One thing we haven't really discussed within the context of the world is the context of peace vis-a-vis -vis conflict. Sometimes it can be between friends. You know, it can be something deeper and greater. In my country, we usually have a Christmas ceasefire. So there will be, you know, rebels and insurgents. But for a short period of time, the government and the rebels agree. And there is a short period of peace. Because people are always fighting about something or fighting over something. We live in an unpeaceful world. That's the reality of it. So the freedom that we're talking about is not just a physical freedom, but it's an emotional freedom that many of us desperately need. Remember how we read earlier about David and Saul? We talked about David running away from Saul. Psalm 55 is one of my favorite psalms. And the reason why that's so is because David goes through the kind of roller coaster emotional journey that I think is familiar to many of us who are struggling with the desire or the need for peace. We don't need to go through it. You can read it on your own, but Psalm 55 is fantastic. And in verse 3, he writes, My thoughts trouble me, and I am distraught because of what my enemy is saying because of the threats of the wicked. Does this sound familiar for some of us? For many of us, we may not realize it, but we're actually in bondage. We're in bondage to thoughts like these. Oh no, the debt's too big. Oh no, my health's too bad. Oh no, my relationship's beyond salvation. And thoughts like these can be a bondage for so many of us. And we see David go through the, so many similar things. The whole idea of verses one to eight is he's in that place where he's just struggling with all these depressing thoughts. And then something happens in verse 9. In verse 9, he says, Lord, confuse the wicked, confound their words, for I see violence and strife in the city. In Psalm 55, this is the first verse where David actually asks God for something. So this is him asking, okay? He doesn't indulge the thoughts any further. He asks, and he asks boldly. And by verse 15, he asks again. By verse 16, all of a sudden, things change. And he says, as for me, I call to God, 
and the Lord saves me. By verse 18, the peace of God comes upon him, and he declares, God has redeemed my soul in peace from the battle that was against me, and there were many against me. When fear or anxiety threaten to rob you of your peace or your joy, offer thanksgiving. In the middle of that pain, ask. Ask audaciously. Ask boldly. Focus on God and His promises, and that is where the faith gets stirred up. And that's when God starts to remind you about how powerful He is. How will we remember how powerful God is if we don't talk to Him? How can we remember all the promises that He has if we don't open the book and revisit the promises? Prayer is so absolutely important because it changes the mindset. And you guys all remember Philippians 4, verses 8 to 9. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, honorable, just, pure, lovely, commendable, if there's any excellence, if there's anything worthy of praise, think about these things. What you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things, and the God of peace will be with you. Make no mistake. There is someone against us. There is someone against us. He is an enemy, and he wants to draw us into battle, and he wants to see us destroyed. But make no mistake, that battle has already been fought, and Jesus has already won that war, and that victory is ours to claim. In doing so, in winning that battle, Jesus has given us that freedom to be able to live in peace with God. His own words, John 16, I have said these things to you that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation, but take heart, I have overcome the world. Our celebration today for Christmas is a remembrance that when Jesus was born, when the angels sang, in Luke 2, 14, glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth, peace to those on whom his favor rests. They were declaring peace for every man, woman, and child who lives in Jesus. And Jesus lives in every man, woman, and child that they may have peace. How do we know that? Ephesians 2, 13 to 14. But now in Christ Jesus, you who once were far away have been brought near by the blood of Christ, for he himself is our peace. Friends, make no mistake. The peace of Jesus takes away fear. It takes away anxiety. It gives us freedom. Because Jesus does those things. If Jesus is our peace, then all of this is possible because Jesus made it so. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the gift of your Son. And because 
of the gift of your son. We may have love, we may have life, and we may have peace. As we honor you today in worship, we declare that your peace is ours to claim. Give us courage, God, to boldly ask you for peace. Take away our fear. Take away our anxiety. And free us from the shackles of what is keeping us bound. Release us from our doubt. Release us from that which stops us from being able to open our mouths and worship you. Lord, you are greater than our problems. You are bigger than the obstacles that stand in our way. You are stronger than the disease. You are bigger than the dead. You are more powerful than anything that the enemy could ever hope to throw against us. So this morning, God, we lay every problem at the foot of the cross. Set your peace upon us, God. May it rain in our hearts. May it rain in our minds. May you use us to be peacemakers, to also speak peace and life to others who need to hear you and see you and experience you. May this peace come over every area that your name may be glorified. Now, I don't know your situation. God does. And you may not know what the solution is, but God does. And God's word tells us that if you ask, you shall receive. And whatever is holding you back from asking audaciously, I am here to tell you today that you are a son or a daughter of the living God. And every child has the right to ask from his father and every father desires to give back to his children. So with every eye closed and every head bowed, if you want to ask God to give you peace and you don't quite know how to ask it, Your spiritual family is here to ask with you. So if that's you, and you need peace in this season, and no one sees you, please raise your hand, and I will be honored to pray for you this morning. I see that hand. Anybody else? I see that hand. Thank you. Anybody else? Yes, thank you. I won't hold this out longer. A few more seconds. Thank you. Thank you. I see that hand. Thank you. 
Almighty God from whom all good things come. You are our Father, and it is your desire, Lord, to bless your children. This morning, God, you see your sons and your daughters who are asking you today for peace. Together, Lord, as one spiritual family, Lord, we ask, send your peace upon them, Lord. Comfort them, Lord, if they need comfort, God. Give them peace, Lord, in the midst of all this Christmas chaos, in the midst of all that's coming around them, God. Quiet their hearts and remind them of everything that is possible, of everything that you are ready and willing and able to give, Lord. The peace that surpasses all understanding, send it down, Lord, into the hearts and minds of my brothers and sisters who have their hands raised today. Give them quiet in the midst of all this noise. Remind them, God, how much they are loved. Thank you for the peace that you are sending them. We thank you. We thank you for opening our hearts and our minds to the encouragement you have for us today. And I pray, God, that you will establish the work of the hands of everyone in this room today. May we shout your fame even as your peace comes over each and every one of us. May we be peacemakers. And as we go out today, Lord, may we experience your peace in a new and bold and brighter way. We thank you for all the things that you are about to do in our lives. Bless this day. Bless every life here today. And use it for your glory. In the most holy name, our Lord and Savior, Christ Jesus. And God's people said, amen and amen. Give him praise, church, because he deserves it. You just heard a message from Every Nation Canberra. For more messages like these or to access other resources, please visit our website at encanberra.org. Like our page on Facebook at facebook.com slash Canberra.